Welcome to The Unstoppable Singer. I'm your host, Danielle Tucker, a professional vocalist, vocal coach, and a lead singer of the Mighty Untouchables Band. I'm also the producer and host of the Pandemic Proof Singer Summit and The Unstoppable Singer. The Unstoppable Singer follows the lives of real professional singers who've made incredible achievements in their lives and careers. We cover everything from voice work, making money, booking gigs, songwriting, recording, session work, and more. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another podcast. Now on with the show. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another empowering episode of The Unstoppable Singer. I'm Danielle Tucker. I'm a singer, a vocal coach, and a lead singer with The Mighty Untouchables Band. And The Unstoppable Singer Show is a live interview style show where we dive into the lives of real professional singers who have achieved incredible feats in their careers. And we explore the challenges and triumphs that come with a life under the bright lights. And we learn what being unstoppable truly means to them. So if you're passionate about music and the stories of remarkable artists, then you're in the right place. Uh, Stick around because we're going to jump right into it. Today, we are absolutely thrilled to have the sensational LeVance Colley as our esteemed guest. LeVance has masterfully woven the soul-stirring essence of gospel, the boundless versatility of jazz, and the heartfelt emotion of R&B to create a distinctive style that is uniquely his own. With a voice that exudes passion and a stage presence that captivates all who witness it, LaVance's musical journey is nothing short of awe-inspiring. As an accomplished vocalist, he has graced the stage with legendary artists such as Beyonce, John Legend, Shawn Mendes, Pharrell Williams, Diana Ross, Lizzo, and many more esteemed names within the industry. Uh, his collaboration with director Robert Townsend and Andy Grammer further solidifi- solidifies his status as an artist of immense talent and versatility. Uh, notably, his voice has been featured on the hit TV show Dancing with the Stars, where he worked under the musical direction of illustrious talents like Ray Chu, Ricky Minor, and Buster and Shivani, all Grammy Award winners for their work on the Prince of Egypt soundtrack. Additionally, he has lent his vocals as backing vocalist on The Voice, leaving an indelible mark on the music world. One of LeVance's most remarkable roles is as the lead vocalist and MC on tour with the international sensation group Postmodern Jukebox. His live performances and studio sessions are nothing short of spectacular, making him a highly sought-after collaborator among fellow artists within the industry. So let's bring him on right now. (laughs) Hello, my friend. Hi, Danielle. How are you? I'm good. I always feel weird when somebody introduces me because it's like all the accolades. And I always feel like, stop, stop it, stop it. I'm going to give you 10 minutes to stop that. (laughs) Well, you you deserve it. You truly deserve it. Um, You are a remarkable talent and we're super honored to have you here with us tonight. So let's just jump right in and tell us what do you have going on these days? What's happening with you? Uh, well, I just actually got back off the road uh, with Postmodern Jukebox. Is uh, I got back. I basically got back June first, mm-hmm. and then uh, I, I had uh, my most recent thing that I just did was last week on last Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. I did a show with this company called Music, 
and they basically, uh, it's kind of like a new, it's kind of like a concert slash history informative uh, class type of thing. Mm. And it's free, it was free to the public and it was sold out each show. And we talk about all, this particular show was all about the people who went to the famous, uh, I believe it's Thomas Jefferson High School. Mm -hmm. Famous, um, a famous high school in Central Avenue where lots of famous celebrities went to, like uh, Etta James, uh, mm-hmm. the Platters, the Penguins. A lot of people came there and did classes there, tutorials, and met people like Nat King Cole and all these other great people. So um, we basically did a concert and, and, and did a tribute to all of those wonderful people who went there. So I sang... I sang a song by Etta James. I sang uh, Something's Got a Hold on Me, which which went really well. I sang a Ray Charles song. I sang uh, uh, Louis Armstrong, What a Wonderful World. Uh, what else did I sing? Oh, and Ain't Misbehaving by Fats Waller, which is, I, I need to add that song to my repertoire. I, I, that's a pretty good song. You know, sometimes you sing a song, you never really do it, but then you're like, oh, I should add that song to the list, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a great, great, great moment. And also uh, my co-star in that, in that, um, in that show was Miss Cy Smith, who is an incredible singer, who, I, who actually used to be a background singer as well. She used to sing background for Whitney Houston and all kind of other amazing artists. So mm-hmm. it, was just, it was just really good to do that show and, and to give, it's more than just a concert because you're learning about the history of Los Angeles and, mm-hmm. and about how uh, lots of black people helped build certain musical communities in Los Angeles, especially the jazz scene. So mm-hmm. it's just it was just an incredible thing. And so, yeah, so now I have a few uh, weeks off and I'm just chilling right now, working on music and, um, yeah, working on music and just waiting until I hit back, go back out on the road. So, yeah. Yeah. That sounds incredible. And so you're going to be hitting the road again with Postmodern Jukebox. Is that right? Yeah, I leave. I believe I believe sept, I leave September 9th uh-huh. and I'll be gone for about a month and a half. But we're going back overseas. I'm going to Israel, going to Budapest, I'm going to Rome, Spain. So I'm Germany. So I'm really, really, really excited to go over there. I've been there. I've been there many times over before, but it's always good to go back and see old friends and go to different venues or the same venues and perform again. So it's going to be wonderful. Uh, one thing I am excited to do is go to Israel. That's the one place that I've never been to before. There's there's, there's not many places on the planet I haven't been to, but mm-hmm. Israel is one of those places. And I'm so excited. We're going to Tel Aviv. So oh, I'm wow. really excited to go out there and just have a good time. Wow, what an incredible opportunity. That's amazing. Um, I'm curious, I know we'll, you know, we can get more into uh, your musical journey in just a minute, but I'd love to hear more about your experience working with Postmodern Jukebox. How did that come to be and what's it like working with them and being on the road with them? Well, it's it's been an incredible journey. Um, they, it, I will be honest, it's a lot of hard work, but if you take care of yourself and don't party too hard, then you'll mm-hmm. be able to survive. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, but I got started with Pulse on the Jukebox. It all started uh, when I had just moved back from living overseas. I had lived overseas for about seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. And when I, I lived in Japan for four years and there was a musical director named Todd Schroeder, who was a, who was also the musical director for my Motown show in Japan. Mm-hmm. So I finished doing all that stuff overseas, which was wonderful. And then I came back to America and about two years later, he hit me back and was like, hey, LeVance, are you in town? And I was like, yes. He was like, well, I'm the musical director for Postmodern Jukebox. Do you know who they are? And I was like, uh, no, who's that? Because <laughs> <I, laughs> I've been living overseas forever and I had never I had never heard of them. Yeah. So 
So he was like, well, I would love for you to come and audition for Scott Bradley, who is the um, creator of Postmodern Jukebox. And uh, we had the introduction at Todd Schroeder's house. So they gave me a whole script to read. Uh, I had to be like, hello, ladies and gentlemen, my name is LeVance Coley and welcome to Scott Bradley, you know, that whole thing. And then I had to sing My Heart Will Go On and some other songs. And uh, they loved me and they asked me to be the MC. And I believe that was in uh, 2014 or 15. And I've been the MC of Postmodern Jukebox uh, ever since. And it's, wow. been, it's been a wonderful good look for me because uh, no, no, no offense to background singing because that's, I love a good background. I, I started off as a background singer and I'll, I'll never, ever not want to do that. Yeah. But um, uh, it really put me in the forefront. It forced me to be a leader and a, and a lead singer because I was the host of the whole show. We're performing in front of thousands of people, yeah. you know, yeah. every day. So it really taught me how to be a front man and a lead man. And so now I get lots and lots and lots of opportunities uh, being a lead singer instead of just a background singer. So it, it just opened up so many doors for me. And it uh, I have fans all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, and I've also gotten to meet some of the most amazing, incredible uh, musicians, tap dancers, and singers in the world as well, as well because a lot of the uh, other singers from uh, Postmodern Jukebox were on like The Voice or American Idol or America's Got Talent. Mm -hmm. So some of these singers are giving you showstopper vocals and you're just like, what is going on in this show? So it's it's really 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 incredible, and I'm um, it's a lot of work. You know, we we they have a hard schedule. I'm not even going to lie. Um, mm -hmm. We do like five to six shows a week with one day off. So wow. so it, sometimes you're like, I'm tired. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm tired and vocally tired. But like I said, if you just if you just chill, you'll you'll make it. You'll make it. So yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, this been yeah. Postmodern jukebox is great though. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that must be a grueling schedule, but I'm sure it's the the excitement kind of keeps you going, and just the yeah. the quality of the musicianship and and the show itself is is a, a good motivating factor. I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I think we're all getting a glimpse of a very exciting life and career that you have. So take us back. Let's go back to your beginnings uh, and tell us how uh, music was ignited in your life. Are you coming from a musical family and what has your journey looked like? Well, I do come from a musical family. Uh, my mother sings. I have a twin sister, Hey Latrice, if you're watching Hey Latrice. <laughs> Hi, Latrice. Um, uh, <laughs> I have a twin sister and my whole family sings. My sister sings, my mom sings, I, uh, my aunts and uncles sing. And I come from a family of uh, pastors and preachers. I have like, I had like at least three people who are pastors in my family who have churches and everything. So I was very heavily in the church, in the gospel church world growing up. Uh, I was, I loved gospel music. Like I lived breathed it, ate it, drank it, everything. I, I wanted to be a gospel singer. Mm -hmm. I even kind of made a gospel album. You'll never hear it. Nobody will ever hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, that's how I got my start was just for the for, with the love of gospel music. And I studied some of the greatest gospel singers alive and past. Uh, people like Daryl Coley, who who everybody used to think I was related to Daryl Coley because we have the same last name, but you know we're not related. I wish, mm -hmm. but... Uh, uh, so uh, Daryl Coley, people like Daryl Coley, the Clark sisters, Karen Clark Sheard, C.C. Winans, Donnie McClurkin, the Hawkins family. It was just so many, so many singers that I looked up to, and that helped me kind of hone my own 
style in a sense. But what really sent me over the edge was when I, well, actually I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I started up a gospel singer, always singing in the church choirs, always singing on the praise and worship team and mm -hmm. just learning, listening to gospel. Do you, you know, people don't realize that as a gospel singer or when you listen to gospel, you're getting a little bit of everything. You can get a little bit of jazz. You'll get a little bit of pop sometimes. Sometimes you get a little bit of rock and roll. So mm -hmm. you don't realize that you're like shedding all these different genres. Yeah. So to move on to different genres of music, if, you, if you're a singer, then it's kind of easier for you to mimic or do other styles because you kind of already learned yeah. it. That's a great point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I was really grateful for that training. So then um, I started off as a background singer. Uh, I met this guy through uh, this guy named, actually, he's now a really famous DJ. Come on. Hey, Jay, Mo Jay, Jay Mosky. We call, we call him Jay, Mos Jay Mosky. Uh, and he DJs for everybody now for all over in the, the games and the house parties and celebrity parties, everything. So um, uh, I used to be his background singer. And okay. I met him through church. And... I was his only background singer, um, which is kind of cool. I don't know if you, yeah, it's really cool when you're like the only background singer. So you're not really the background singer, you're just like the lead background. <laughs> yeah, you're like a feature guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, at the time, Kenny Lattimore is a famous R&B singer from back in the day. He's still mm -hmm. wonderful. He's still singing to this day and he was his manager. And okay. so we did a concert somewhere out mm -hmm. in the IE where, where, I used to, where I'm from and Kenny Lattimore came to the show and I sang, did my thing with Jamal and Kenny heard me and absolutely loved me to the point where he asked me to come to his house and let his wife hear me sing. At the time, his wife was the legendary Shantae Moore. I don't wow. know if you, yeah, she is, <laughs> Shantae Moore is a beast. She's yes. insane. And then whistle tones, she still got the whistle tones to this day. And so, um, so I went over to their house in Northridge and sang a gospel song for her. And after I finished singing, she was like, would you like to be my background singer? Wow. And I was like, sure. I was so elated. I was so happy. And I sang, I, at that time, I sang soprano for her. So yeah. it, was, it was really cool to like be doing that. And it was my first major gig ever in my life. And we, our first gig was at the House of Blues in like New Orleans on Bourbon Street or something. So I, it, was, it was just such an incredible time with them. And I wound up being their background singer for about three, three or four years. Um, mm -hmm. the time. And then during that time, Kenny Lattimore also became my manager because he loved me so much as a, as a vocalist that he wanted to try to represent me as an artist as well. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work out because at the time he was kind of still, he's, he was still an artist doing his own thing. So it was kind of hard for him to manage being a manager and also a very popular, successful artist. So it didn't mm -hmm. work out, but I still love him. We're still friends. I still talk with him. He's just he's just great. He's a really good friend of mine. So I did that for three years. And during that time, they introduced me to um, a lot of the heavy hitters in the music industry, um, mm -hmm. like people like uh, musical directors like Ricky Minor. That's how I first met him. And then also um, just, just a lot of different people. Sha uh, I don't know if you know who Shanice Wilson. She has this song called... Uh, Back in the day, I like your smile. Do, 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 yes. Do. Yep. So I know she, it. You know, she, it, they just introduced me to so many different people in the industry. And so my name started getting around. So I started getting a, a few other little gigs here and there, singing back and forth other people. And it, and it was going really well. And then um, <clears throat> one, one, one day in 2000, I believe it was 2005. Yes, it was 2005. And I was about to turn 21. I had the opportunity to go overseas to Japan. 
and sing uh, out there uh, in, at Universal Studios in Osaka. Right. And so I, I decided to do it and I wound up living in Japan for four years. Um, and I was in a number of different tribute shows. I was in a Michael Jackson tribute show. I was on stage doing the moonwalk. On stage doing all that stuff. And we, I did a, uh, a Michael Jackson tribute show, a Beatles tribute show, a Motown tribute show, and then like some other like different types of tribute shows. And so it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I absolutely love Japan. Um, I'm so grateful to have said that I was able to like experience a different culture for so long because Japan yeah. was the one place I lived the longest. Mm -hmm. So I do speak a little Japanese PS. I just want to put that out there. Konnichiwa, keke desu But it was such a great experience. So then after I completed doing Japan stuff, I then uh, became the lead singer of a band, of a cover band uh, overseas called Express. And so we lived and sang at all of the Grand Hyatts and Shangri-Las and all the like the five-star hotels overseas. Mm -hmm. and, that's, and that's how I got my chops up with, cause every night we were doing ugh, six nights a week, one day off, four sets a night. Mm -hmm. And then in, in, our, in our breaks, we didn't have, we didn't even have a back room. They actually made us go into the audience and talk to the guests. Oh geez. So, so oh, I know it, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot, but it also just taught me how to like, talk to people and you yeah. know these were like high rollers too these weren't just like regular you know average people they were all millionaires and billionaires and stuff and so you know they're i'm walking to the table they want to chat with me they want to give me shots of tequila i'm like oh my god i don't want no more shots and it's like <laughs> rude to like not accept the shot so like every night i was kind of getting drunk every night just a little bit I just just, <laughs> just start throwing bit. it over your shoulder <laughs> <laughs> So, but it was a, it was a wonderful experience with that. And then um, after after I did that, I um, well well that's how I got my chops up. That's how I learned all my that's how I learned all my cover band songs. That's how mm -hmm. I learned all the big roster of songs that I know was from doing that. You know, mm -hmm. and I, I didn't realize that later on that would help me tremendously. Um, so yeah, so I did that, and then um, I also. Uh, Wait, I did. Oh, and then also I started singing on cruise ships. I did all the stereotypical stuff, you know, that you do when you're young as a singer. I did the cruise ships, I did the, the theme parks, and then then uh, so it was great. I, with the cruise ship, I was able to travel all over the world, and I was in a, a number of different shows, and that was fun. Cruise ship life. Uh, uh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I felt when I did the cruise ship, I was like, okay, Levance, you did two eight month contracts living on a boat, and your your career is going like this. I felt like my career was starting to become a little stagnant. I didn't feel mm -hmm. like I was rising. And I knew, I always knew that God blessed me with an uh, extraordinary talent. So I was like, I need to make sure I am doing using it properly and and in the right places. So that's when I decided to move back to uh, America and move back to LA mm -hmm. and really get my career going in the LA scene. Mm -hmm. So when I moved back to and that was in 2012. So all this from, from 2005, all, basically all the way to 2012 or a little longer, then I moved back to America. And then it was like two years. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I was so, you know, when you live overseas for a long time and everything's just given to you, like free food, free this, free this, you just, you don't realize you take so much for granted. I remember when I walked into a store and I was buying groceries and I, I didn't even know what to buy. <laughs> I was like, well, what kind of, cause I'm so, I was always getting room service. I was yeah. always getting this, that. 
So I just, it was like, I was kind of living a, a crazy little, like, like, I don't know. I, I, I had to come back to earth. It was a very, yeah. <laughs> and then I live, I, I currently live in North Hollywood. And when I moved back to, to Los Angeles, 2012, I also was living in North Hollywood. And so I got this expensive apartment that I did not know. I did not know it was going to be this expensive in LA. I just thought, I, I just thought I was going to be set. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then I was, I was trying to be proactive before I moved back to the States by calling different people and hitting them up and being like, yo, I'm coming back. So if you need me for work, because, you know, I started off as a singer, so I met all these people. So it was so funny because like when I moved back, people were like, as soon as the airplane lands, you better call me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> well, it's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get back here. And it was drier than the than the desert. It was so dry, and wow. I didn't. And honestly, I was being I, at the time. I'm very very different now. But at the time, I didn't I didn't come back with a lot of money saved because I was out there partying, living my best life, and it was great. But um, so I was just like, oh my god, I need to like get like a job. Mm-hmm. So so then I became in a Uber driver. And at the time, that's when Uber had just came out. So they weren't they weren't taking a high percentage. They were only taking like five or ten percent of your of your thing. So I was making like a thousand dollars a week or something. Like I was making like buku money without having to work as long of hours as Uber drivers have to do now because now Uber takes like 35% or something, something crazy. Anyways, wow. that's a whole other show for a whole other thing. <laughs> so, um, so I became an Uber driver and then I became I started working for TaskRabbit. And I just I just started like just doing like regular life stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. But then I always knew that it was going to be temporary. So I would always go to like the open mics. At, and this is all before COVID. So these were the things to do, you know? I, so I would go to the open mic and I would sing and I would try to meet people and try to network and, you know, and I would, and I would slowly just meet people and my name would start to get out there. And um, it just slowly, slowly I started getting, oh, and then that's what I was going to say. I was talking to a friend and I was like, man, what can I do for work out here? Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm trying to get gigs, but you know, it's really slow. And they were like, well, have you ever thought about me singing in a cover band? And I was like, I was like, uh, I sang in a bunch of cover bands for over a year mm-hmm. overseas. Did not, and they did not realize that they, I didn't even know they had cover bands, things like that in LA because yeah. I started off doing it overseas. So I was like, oh my God. So then I just started sending my information out to all the cover band people. I was talking to people like, who's this person? Who's the no? Who's the cover band? And I wanted people hired me immediately. And I was just so grateful because it was just like, you know, and the ball started rolling with that. And then I would meet people in cover band. You know, some of the, some of the biggest gigs I ever got in my career have been from singing in cover bands. And I know a lot of people, a lot of people want to, you know, uh, shame people for being a cover band singer. You know, I don't technically like being a cover band singer either. Like, it's not like I want to go there and sing at everybody's wedding every once, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it's it's a steady work. And when you're when you're not working, it's something to do and make a cute little check on, you know? Yeah. And so, um, like, for example, uh, when I did the John Legend, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but I, I worked with John Legend and I uh, am on his entire Christmas album called A Legendary Christmas. Wow. Uh, so we recorded, we recorded how many songs? We recorded, we recorded 13 songs in two days. Whoa. <laughs> yes. 
it was crazy. And 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 John and John was the nicest guy. He was so professional, so polite. He even came in the booth with me and did some of the backgrounds. I'm standing like this close to John, like wow. and I'm like, this is incredible. And I got that from a guy named uh, Jamil, who uh, he hit me up one day, and he was like, Hey, Levance. Uh, what you doing? I'm like, hey, who is this? I don't know who this is. So he's like, oh, this is Jamel. I don't know if you remember me, but we played in a cover band two years ago. I'm a trumpet player. Wow. And, a trumpet player. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm putting together a, a, a band. I'm putting together a band. We're, we're, we need some singers for, for an album that's being created. And I was like, oh, who's the artist? He's like, John Legend. And I'm like, oh, okay. So he's like, and also, can you bring uh, some singers with you? And I was like, oh, sure. So I, I know a bunch of sing girl singers out here in L.A. Yeah. So, uh, so I hit my girl at Brianna, and I also hit up my other girlfriend, uh, Cy Smith, who's who I said talked about earlier. Yeah. And uh, it was just incredible, and we and we we did all the songs, and it was a wonderful experience. And the album came out great. It should have won a Grammy, but it didn't, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. He won. He won uh, uh, Elvis Castillo, Castillo. As am I saying it right? Elvis, Elvis Castillo. Castillo. Elvis Castillo. He won over John. I think that was kind of he, John got robbed. Nothing against Elvis. It's the fact that. His album wasn't a Christmas album. John Legend's album was a like. Why are they even in the same? Right. Yeah. This seemed like my best Christmas album for. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. So um, so uh, but yeah. So that was one of my gigs that I got from a cover band. Also, when I sang with Sean Mendez, I got that from a cover band. Uh, when I did something else, I got some major gig. I got from a cover band. It's just it's just always been like these corporate events, and then next thing you know, it's like someone like, "Are you available for this?" And it turns into this big thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah. So wait, so I did that. Wait, so wait, John Legend. So I did cover band, John Legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did that, and then, um, and then during that time, also was when I was still patrolling with Post Money Jukebox. So in between that. I was still traveling overseas and then coming back home and then going back overseas and then coming back home and then doing the United States and then coming back home. It was, it was a lot, but I, I was just so grateful to just continuously be working, you know? Yeah. And so, um, uh, wait, so wait, I okay, did that, came back overseas and I started to approach my Okay. So many things. And then, uh, and then, and then Cy Smith, it referred me for this company with music, uh, which is the which is the show I just did last Saturday. You know, so it's all about like word of mouth and people just referring you, and that's why it's very important for you to have a good reputation in this industry because mm. you can be the best singer in the world. But if you but if you have an attitude or if you're hard to work with, yes. and then people aren't going to hire you. And I and I'm very fortunate to have a very good reputation. I'm sure not everybody likes me, whatever, but like. 90% of the people is like, oh, Levance is cool. Not only is he a talented singer, but he's also a very cool person to be around. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I'm just grateful for the career that I've been given. I know a lot of people can't say that they're a full-time singer doing all these great things, but I, I'm singing full-time. That's all I do. Sessions, you know, all that stuff. Oh, and then, so, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, it's just so much. Um, oh, so, 2020. So I'm doing I'm all this time. Oh I'm, yeah, that year. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so I was blessed with the amazing opportunity to, and I'm pretty sure I skipped some stuff in the past, but whatever. I'm sure I, I had the I was blessed with the amazing opportunity to join Cirque du Soleil and join mm -hmm. Cirque du Soleil in a completely brand new show that they were creating uh 
even the show that was created around my voice type of stuff. It was such an incredible experience. And so it was going to be like a kind of like a forever gig. Like they give you two year contract increments. But uh, so so I had so I got I was living in Los Angeles and I moved out. I took uh, I got rid of my apartment because I'm living in L.A. and I'm going to be gone for at least two years. So why have an apartment? So I got rid of my apartment and everything. And I moved to Montreal. We're having rehearsals. I moved, I moved January, excuse me, January 12th. Mm-hmm. And everything was great. I had my, I got my dream job. I, I've always wanted to work with Cirque du Soleil. I first discovered Cirque du Soleil in, in, in uh, Japan. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the most incredible things I had ever seen in my life. So ever since then, I had always been trying to get into Cirque because of that the show I saw in Japan. And so I finally got in and everything's going great. We're having rehearsals. And for the for 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 three months, we were having rehearsals at the headquarters in Montreal. And then we finally moved to what they call the big top or the big tent. Yeah. And so we had our first, first rehearsal at the tent. And immediately right after that rehearsal, they had an emergency meeting and fired us all. Ugh. Well, I don't want to say they fired us all because they said we're going to let you guys go temporarily for like a week or two because of COVID. So everybody's like, oh, we'll be back in a week. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just a week? Okay, like whatever, vacation. Yeah, right? (laughs) And a week turned into a whole two years, you know? And so because I had gotten rid of my apartment, Mm -hmm. I didn't have a place to live. So I was homeless. I wasn't broke. I was just homeless. <laughs> you know, if that makes any sense. Which is worse. <laughs> Which is worse. <laughs> right, right, right. So I was like, well, since I'm only going, since I'm only having like two weeks off, you know, I'm going to go back to Cirque or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. why don't I just go stay and spend some time with, you know, my mom in Colorado. So I go to Colorado Springs and I'm with my mom out there. It winds up being good. I wound up staying with my mom for four months. And I was like, okay, I love you, mom, but I love you, mom and Latrice, but I got to go now. Yeah. So I wound up going to Chicago and living with my friend out there who is an also incredible singer, Melody Betts. Shout out to Melody Betts. Uh, also, Melody Betts is now on The Wiz, who's, that's about to be on Broadway. She's playing Evelyn and Aunt May. Oh, wow. And you can say that because she posted it online. Anyways, so, <laughs> um, so I, I'm in, I'm in, Chicago, living with my friend Melody, and I get a I get a, a call from my from a friend named Jared Johnson, uh, who is looking for a singer to do this demo for him because it was too high for his his register. Mm-hmm. So I said yes. I did the demo and I sent it off to this girl uh, who was in charge of the whole thing, and she heard my demo. And she absolutely loved it. I also added some cute little backgrounds and some extra stuff just to, you know, be like, you know, whatever. And so she hit me back and was like, who are you? Um, She was like, let me introduce myself to you. My name is Jessica Cole and I own a company in Los Angeles called Lyric House, which is one of the biggest sync licensing companies in all of LA and and a lot of them, and some of America too. I'm like, it's a very, very big company. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, do you write? Do you arrange? I was like, yeah, actually I do. And so she wound up signing me to her company. And I would have never thought, it was something that I never thought would ever happen to me. I always thought about getting into the sync world, but I never really thought, thought, thought hard about it because I was just so busy always performing live. I was always gone. I was always on tour. So that was kind of what I was used to. So I never thought I would be getting like placements and stuff. 
Mm-hmm. So I joined Lyric House and then within a month of joining them, I got my first placement. And I think it was, it was on TNT and I was so grateful and it was a cute little check. And so um, ever since then, I, I basically joined Lyric House November 1st of 2020. And since from November 1st to around now, I probably got around 40 to 50 placements. Wow, which is, which is which is a lot, which is a lot. I'm really grateful, and I because I, I don't know, I don't know how much people place because I once again I I was new to the world, so I don't know what the average person places. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Within two years, you get like forty to fifty. You know, that's a really good. That's really good for me. Yeah. So I was so grateful because I'm. I also was thinking about my longevity as a touring artist because I'm starting to get older now and I don't necessarily always want to be on the road. Mm-hmm. And so it was such a great way to be like, okay, so once I'm ready to really stop being on the road, I can really just fully do sync licensing and and music and get it placed and not have to worry about, oh, I need to be on the road for six months when I can make that from a four hour session, the yes. same amount, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm just grateful because these, these gigs, these things that happen to me, it's not like I'm going around like, oh, I need to get a gig. I need to, I need yeah. to do this. It's just been like referrals or word of mouth or, or, or just something. I don't know this God, I guess. And so um, I'm really grateful. So I've been with Lyric House now. So I'm, so I'm still, I'm still with Lyric House. I'm still getting placements. Uh, one of my songs just became for, for, um, one of my songs called um, "I'm Here" is was the theme song for HBO Max this last wow. Pride that just uh-huh. happened, and this is the second time in a row. It was my, my other song, "Brand New Day," was the theme song last year for the whole month of Pride, and then now another song. You know, was my another. That's song. incredible. So I've just been in placements and then um, doing live shows, and yeah, it's just been great. Um, I'm trying to think what else, but yeah, that that's kind of my, been my journey from 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 since a kid all the way until now, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The way you describe your journey is so, it's it seems so effortless and like you've just got the Midas touch, you know, when it comes to just like these golden opportunities just landing. And we all know that that's not really how it happens. There, yeah. There's so much effort that goes mm-hmm. into it. But what do you attribute your success to? What do you... What is it that you have within you that um, ushers in all of these opportunities? I feel like for me, it's a combination of purpose, knowing my purpose, and Mm -hmm. also being driven to succeed in my purpose. Because I'm very lucky to know that I came from a family of singers, and I always knew since I was a child that I wanted to be a singer. Yeah. I always, always knew it. And- that's all I did. I always studied. I always practiced. I always studied the great singers, the jazz, every, everything that I could study, I studied it. Mm-hmm. And, and so I all, I just, I was, I don't, it's a combination of preparation and practice. Yeah. And because preparation, practice, and purpose, I knew my purpose and I always practiced. And I, so I was always prepared when these opportunities came to me mm-hmm. and for, and also I really attribute it to me learning how to blend different styles because yeah, people, people do, I guess, do see me as like a gospel as singer, but I sing a lot more than gospel. I have many different styles. I can sing different styles. Mm-hmm. I can straight up sing opera and sound like a legit opera singer. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So 
So, and I attribute that from when I was living overseas, mm-hmm. you know, when I lived overseas, I was enthralled in a bunch of different cultures, a bunch of different sounds, a bunch of different music, musical genres. Um, for example, when I was, when I was living, when I was doing my show in Japan, they had a 30 minute uh, condensed version of Wicked, a Japanese version of Wicked mm. in Japan, that Stephen Schwartz uh, actually approved and, and came and helped put the show together and everything. Wow. And I became friends with a lot of the singers out there. I've always kind of liked musical theater, but out there is when I really like discovered like musical theater. So I did musical theater. I I listened to a lot of the like Judy Garland's and the Linda Edders and the, the this I mean Barbara Streisand. I just listened to so many different styles and I tried to like emulate all these styles. And then I started listening to Celtic music. And then I would go from Celtic to Enya, like you know. Because I was all I liked harmonies and I liked melodies and so I've always just been enthralled with that. So I think it's just for me it was just a love of music and always knowing that I was meant to sing. And mm-hmm. honestly, I didn't know what else I would be doing. <laughs> I don't know what other besides singing. I don't know what else I would do. So I think that attributes it. And and and, and me just being nice, me yeah. just being a nice person. And people gonna be like, we like Levance, and he can sing his butt off. Let's call him. You know, yeah, where, where he at? You know. So, yeah. Yeah, it's incredibly true. I I say, I make this statement on this show and with my singers all the time is that people hire people they like, that they like to be around, that they like to work with, that they can trust and that, you know, they can count on, Mm -hmm. you know, to show up, do a good job and, you know, do the homework. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're, you can't ever look at it as if you're doing people a favor by being on (laughs) their show with them. You know, you, you've really got to show up and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, be ready, you know, Uh and be, be cool, be a good hang. And, uh, yeah, it's really critical. And knowing how to work under pressure because sometimes, or for example, I didn't mention this, but you know, I, I sing on the voice and I also sing on dancing with the, or I used to sing on dancing with the stars, but, um, uh, it's, it was a great a great experience. Really, it could be stressful at times because you're dealing with, especially dancing with the stars. Like your call time is like 5 a.m. ready mm. to sing by 5.45 a.m. to practice mm. with the dancers. And then after you practice with the dancers and the stand-ins for the celebrities, then the celebrities come in and then you practice and sing again with the celebrities and the dancers. And you do that over and over and over. Mind you, the show is not till like six, seven o'clock at night. Mm. So by the time it's time for you to literally sing live, all the way live you're like oh my god is my voice like yeah you're like oh my god like that that's a very stressful strenuous show you know Mm -hmm. it's fun but you know but learning how to work under that type of pressure and Mm -hmm. to always be on and to be ready and to be alert and you know the cues you have to know the cues because it's literally live so if you mess up you, you just don't mess up. You just, yeah. you just, you just don't. It's not, not going to happen. Well, <laughs> if, if, if you mess up and then you mess up like the celebrity who's dancing, they're going to be, they're going to be mad. The musical yeah. director is going to be mad at you. And they're going to be like, who that singer missed the part. He was supposed to sing this, but you know, he, you didn't do that. That's not what we rehearsed. You know, they'll blame it on you. Mm-hmm. you know? And, and it kind of may, might be your fault. Sometimes it ain't, but sometimes <laughs> it might be your fault, you know? So it's like, Always just being prepared and being alert and being ready and being professional and not taking your baggage to work, not taking your problems to work. You go to work, do your job, and then you leave, you know? So, yeah. yeah. 
That is super important. I know you've got to be very responsible for the way you show up and the mm -hmm. energy that you bring into a situation mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, as creatives, like we can, we have our, well, just as humans, we have our mm -hmm. moods, we have our, mm -hmm. our things that are going on in our personal lives and everything. But um, as performers, you just cannot show up with that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's really singularly your job is to bring the magic, you know, to bring the, bring the feelings and everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, it's just, I, I think when you get there to the performance, it's time to show mm -hmm. up and be an actor if you have to, yep. you know, fake it, fake yeah. it. If you ain't happy, fake it like you're happy. Just don't, yep. <laughs> nobody cares. Cause nobody cares. Nobody, I, it sucks because sometimes you want a shoulder to cry on. <laughs> yeah, but, for sure. But, but on those types of gigs, nope. Yeah. You, 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 not you, the time or place. <laughs> you better call a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, you've mentioned several times just your, um, along your journey, um, the fact that you have studied, you mm -hmm. know, so many different um, genres and great artists mm -hmm. and that that's really developed your um, chops and you really called out uh, doing the cover band thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to kind of step back to that uh, because you made an important point about how having to learn all of these different songs, how that really develops your voice and your unique sound. I had a, this great conversation with Dorian Hawley. Oh, I love and, him. That's my brother. Yes. He had told me that he has this list that he has uh, kind of curated over the years of his um, career. And it's just, I, I have the list and it is as random as could possibly be. You know, it's every genre, every artist, some one hit wonders, this and that. But he says that when he is mentoring a singer he tells them, you need to learn every song on this list and Ooh. emulate it exactly like the original artist. Because essentially what that does down the line is it helps you to unlock every gear your voice has, every nuance, every mm -hmm. color, you know. Um, and, and then that gives you the ability as an artist to handpick, cherry pick the sounds that you like and, and what really feels, feels right for you mm -hmm. as an artist. And uh, that's just one of the greatest, like, you know, pieces of advice or lessons that I've learned and have experienced in my own career being, you know, working in cover bands as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. Because for example, like sometimes I can emulate people very well. Not everybody, depending on the tone and stuff, but certain mm -hmm. vibratos and certain things I can emulate. And that was all from just practicing from all these different musical genres I've listened to. And I'm like, how does that person's vibrato sound like that? How does that person's tone? How, why does this person sound bright and this person sounds more muffled? You know, and I would and I would really study them and try to like emulate that sound. And and then once I started developing my own sound because I had so much knowledge of all those other people, I was able to create my own sound. It really, it really, it really, I was listening to Indian music, Celtic, you know, like just any, anything that was different and, mm -hmm. and unique. One of my favorite singers who I still listen to to this day, uh, her name is Katie Noonan. And when I was uh, in living in Japan, my next door neighbor was from Australia and he introduced me to her. She's an Australian artist from, I believe, Sydney. And her voice, she kind of is like, has like an evanescence vibe with mm -hmm. her. She, 
well, maybe not anymore, Evanescence, but back in the day, she used to be in this band called George. And she had like this light, ethereal, almost operatic, airy, beautiful voice, whistle tones, but then she would sing over like rock music. And it was the yeah. most beautiful. I would just listen to her for hours on end and just be like, mm-hmm. oh, I was just enthralled with her. So yeah. I was like, how do you do that? How do you do this? And then I was, when I was doing the background singing for different artists, I was like, you know, we, perfect example, Shantae Moore. Shantae has a very airy, like airy voice when she wants to. It's such a beautiful tone. And so I had to learn how to be more airy in my sound. Mm-hmm. My natural voice isn't as airy. Um, my voice is more like a pure... C.C. Winans-esque sound. It's it's not as airy. It's more just pure tone, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I always wanted an airy voice. Side note, I've always wanted like an airy <laughs> voice, but that's just not what the voice that was given to me. So anytime I do give the air, I don't want to say it's forced, but it's just something that I've learned how to be like, you know, ah, instead of be like, ah, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, but yeah, so all those different styles, just studying music and just really learning my craft helped me to really develop my sound. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of our, uh, listeners, Greg is saying, uh, he bets that, uh, you do, um, Al Jarreau incredibly well. Do you sing any Al Jarreau? Oh, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I'll, let's stay together. Oh, come on now. It's funny. I all the time. I just this Sunday was a part of a, a church service that was centered around the whole theme was Al Jarreau music. Oh. And uh, the the singer that they had come as the guest artist was incredible. But we got um, the message was really based off of the life, you know, that he led and the influence that he had in this space. So it's interesting Mm -hmm. that that question came up. Um, Who are some of your other favorites? Who are some artists who I know as singers, we're constantly having to learn music. So we're having to listen to stuff that we may not necessarily want to listen to all the time, but just have to do that. When you're not in that situation, what are some of your go-tos that you can never get tired of? I love me some. Well, I still listen to CeCe Winans. I yes. just love Cece. I don't listen to her as much. I have to be in the gospel mood. Sometimes I'm in the mood for gospel, and then sometimes I'm in the mood for some good old secular. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I listen to CeCe. I love listening to Karen Clark on the gospel side. I love Donna McClurkin. I love listening to his background singers. Oh, my God. I don't know if you know who Donna McClurkin is, mm-hmm. but- his background singers are the best. He just, I, I used to, I wanted to sing background for Donna McClurkin so bad when I was a kid. Um, uh, Kiara Sheard, I'm listening to her. Uh, okay, the secular side, I'm listening to Janelle Monae, that new uh, yeah. uh, pleasure, something pleasure, uh, uh, era of pleasure or something like that. I think that's the title of her album. So good. And I also used to love her old album, The Ark Android. Mm-hmm. Out the tightrope came. When I tell you her music used to send me to a faraway land, I used to ride my little bike in Japan in the streets and I would just have my little earphones in and I would just be listening to Janelle Monet. And she, I, it was like I had, an, it, I felt like I was transported back to my childhood when my brain went away oh. with music. And that, that doesn't happen a lot anymore as much as it, as much as I want it to, because like mm-hmm. you said, we're listening to music all the time, but uh, Janelle Monae. Who else? Who else? My, I like Victoria Monet. I like um, who, who's out that I'm listening to. Oh, uh, Melvin Crispel, who is an amazing singer. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Wait. Who else? Wait. There's a new guy that's out. London. Something London. London. Uh, October London. Okay. London. He kind of sounds like Marvin Gaye. Okay. Uh, 
they call him the new Marvin Gaye. He's uh being he's being represented by Snoop Dogg. Oh yes, yep. I have heard him. I have heard him. No, you're talking voice about. Is absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. But who yeah, that's 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 who I'm listening to. I'm trying to think some other ones. Oh, I love Emile LaRue. I listen to her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to listen to old school artists sometimes. I'm always listening to like the old school, you know. Like the other day I was listening to uh Pure Love from the Back to the Middle and Around Again. I'm gonna be there. Oh, yeah. Again. Like I sometimes I go there. I go, I'm like, let's go back to the 90s. You know what yep. I'm saying? <laughs> I love that. That's, that's a good little list. Yeah, your I think your Spotify list is probably a lot like mine, where if anyone were to look at it, they'd be like, huh? <laughs> yes. All over the place. All over the place. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. Uh so you mentioned you are between tours with postmodern jukebox. So you just um got done with this project with muse with music, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so you're chilling a little bit. What does your life look like outside of music? What do you enjoy doing oh. that is not singing related. I love going to the movies. Oh, I, I love, love that too. I love spending my money on movies. I, mm-hmm. I sometimes I sometimes I'm like, why don't you get a pass? You can get like four free movies a month or something. I'm like, I need to get look into that. Anyways, I love going, I love horror movies. Ooh. I love going to see a good horror movie. I plan on going to see Insidious soon. So that's let's we'll see if that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God. I went to the movies two days ago and I saw a theater camp. Theater camp. Girl, okay. Ben Platt, Ben Platt, and um, and uh, I forgot who the other character. That when I tell you, that's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. If you are a theater person or have any type of a singer, anything, it's more than just a theater. It is. I'm not even joking. I have never laughed so much in my entire life in a movie. Oh and my gosh! The movie theater was filled with just when I went. We went to AMC, me and my friend Tia, and we uh. They were just filled with, like, you could tell everybody was musical or in theater or in some kind of, like, musical entertainment world. And everybody got all the jokes. I highly recommend. I can't, I'm not trying to do a plug for that movie, but it was so funny. To me, it was one of yeah. the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Crying. I, I, with tears upon. It It was nonstop laughter. Like, yeah. you have to go see that movie. And then you'll be like, LeVance, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Ben Platt, so mm-hmm. I definitely have to... Mm-hmm check that out. What else I do? Um, I like to exercise, you know, oh, that's another thing I want to talk about is exercise. You know, mm-hmm. it's important to keep your health um, good, good, especially if you're going to be a touring artist, because yeah. it's really hard. And, and unfortunately for me, I wasn't taking as good care of my health as I should have. So I gained a few pounds, mm-hmm. but I have been now since I've been back in the gym consistently, I go to mm-hmm. Orange Theory and I love that place. And I've lost like 15 to 20 pounds so far. Wow. And so I've just been like in the gym, like literally, you want to see the secret? Sweet greens. Oh. (laughs) I eat sweet greens all the time because I'm like, if I'm going to spend money on food, I might as well spend it on healthy food, you know? Yeah. So I've just been like eating really good smoothies, salads, and the weight has just been falling off. So that's what I do a lot when I'm home going to the movies, Mm -hmm. uh, working out a lot hanging out with my friends. I like to go to my friends' houses and just have like some wine and just talk and just hang out. I'm not really a clubber. Every now and then I will go out to the club mm-hmm. and party, but I like to go to musical events usually. I like to hear good singing. So if somebody invites yeah. me to like a little show or something, I might go if I'm not busy. And uh, that's, I think that's it. I'm kind of boring. I'm kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> Your life sounds good to me. I uh, I love it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, gosh, it's this has been amazing getting to know you better and like hearing about your journey. Like I said, you know, I, 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 when you, when you describe things, it does, it just seems like you've you had this like effortless, you know, um, list of opportunities that have just yeah. dropped in your lap. And, and I, of course, know that so yeah. much hard work has mm -hmm. gone into yeah. what you've done and so much dedication and time mm -hmm. and you're, you're really an inspiration. And I know that everybody listening will feel the same way. Um, for those times that were not as effortless, the more challenging times, those, mm -hmm. that space between all of the golden opportunities, um, what is it that has made you unstoppable? And you know what? It's it's so funny because a lot of people tell me what you have just said. A lot of people, my friend just had a conversation with me the other day and she was like, Levant, you work so hard. She was like, you have work to get to where you are. And sometimes it doesn't feel like that for me because mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like work. You know, when you do what you love, it doesn't yeah. feel like you're working. And so sometimes I'm like, did I? Sometimes I feel like I didn't work hard enough. I know mm -hmm. that's weird to say, but like sometimes I'm like, I'm not working hard enough. So when I'm chilling too much at home, I'm like, no, you need to do something, you know? But I've always had just this drive. I, I don't, I, maybe it was a God-given thing, but I've, I just, it was just because I always knew that I was going to be a singer. And I mm -hmm. always just never stopped. I just mm -hmm. never stopped, almost to a detriment. I, like, I lived overseas for seven, eight years and sang straight for seven, eight years. Then moved back to America, started singing in America, and then joined the Postman Jukebox and then toured all over. So sometimes I was like, I need to like take a break really fast because I'm I feel like I was burning myself out because I was just yeah. going, going, going. And I don't know where the drive came from. I just always felt that I was God blessed me with a great gift. And I always wanted people to hear it, no matter yeah. where it was. Even when I was working for TaskRabbit, for example, I <laughs> I was in this girl's house helping her pack and move her furniture. Somehow I started singing and she started, she's like, Oh, you're a singer? She's like, My husband is a producer. She brings her producer over. He has a whole studio. I start recording in his studio in his house. And then they send that video of me singing with this producer to the to the headquarters of TaskRabbit. And they loved it and put it on their website and all this stuff and gave me like Tasker of the Month. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> even, in my, even in my regular life, I was always still singing. Even as an Uber driver, I was always still singing, you know. Yeah. You know, so I just I don't know. I don't know where this drive came from. I don't know why. I just, I just, I just knew that God blessed me with an extreme talent and I need to do whatever I, it is I can to let the world hear it as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense to me. Just having that natural drive uh, within yourself, but that for you hand in hand has been with mm -hmm. a very clear vision and mm -hmm knowing of what your purpose is. Mm -hmm. And that makes so yeah. much sense to me. Yeah. And just kind of holding on to that belief, even when, you know, even when you're not singing, but mm -hmm. knowing, having that, knowing that it's still connected, you yeah. know, being an Uber driver, doing task grab and everything, mm -hmm. it's supporting, ultimately supporting what it is you love to do and, and just mm -hmm. kind of just showing up with that spirit. Mm -hmm. And then the things that that led to for you as well, really yeah. incredible. Thank you. Wow. It's, it was wonderful getting to talk to you. I'm so grateful that you're willing to come on and um, chat with me. I'm putting um, 
links to your socials in yeah. the comments. Uh, where's where's the best place for everybody to check you out? Instagram, find me on my Instagram or Twitter, but it's, it's Instagram. It's Instagram. Yeah. Go on ahead. Everything's on there. You can watch all the videos. You can watch the videos from my past show I just did on Sunday, which was absolutely amazing. And yeah. also you can watch videos from the future shows I'll be doing, especially when I leave in September to go on tour with PMJ. So going to be great. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you're listening and you're not familiar with Levance's uh, work yet, I definitely encourage you to check out his videos. His voice is insane. So um, we've got to hear the story. But I also um, have some songs out too. I have like, I have a, one of my songs uh, is out right now called My People that uh -huh. got placed for Black History Month in some commercial. I, don't, I honestly don't remember what it was for, but I have a few singles out. So if you just type in LeVance Coley on Spotify and or Apple Music, on, on all the music streaming platforms, just type my name in and just like take a listen to my music. So yeah. I love it. You're going to be playing in our house tonight. Yay. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you so much, LeVance. Thanks for everybody that joined us live. I will be back here next Wednesday with another inspiring singer. Uh, but I will give you back your evening to enjoy. And we will see you next week. Thank you so much, LeVance. Thank you, Danielle. Thanks so much for joining us. If you love this conversation as much as I did and would like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with The Unstoppable Singer and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow me on Instagram at Unstoppable Singer. And while you're there, please share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag me at Unstoppable Singer. Once again, I'm Danielle Tucker, a professional singer and vocal coach. I've spent the last 25 years crafting a successful career for myself in the music industry and showing other aspiring singers how to do the same. The world needs your voice now more than ever. So get out there and create an unstoppable career.